the war, the Jewish war by uh, Josephus, and then um, actually is volume 2, 117 and 118, and also referred to in Josephus Antiquities um, in volume 18, 4 through 10. Now, this revolt that happened just was, you know, very young, and it's still fresh in the mind of the people, in the mind of the Romans, and it formed the background to this question that was brought to Jesus, uh, gave rise to the zealot movement that led to a war of independence soon after, not that, you know, about 30 years or so after the death of Jesus. Eventually, this war uh, led to the destruction of Jerusalem and, uh, and the temple. And this morning, we were sharing uh, about the temple. And what we know about the temple is mainly by excavation and reconstruction, uh, not actual reconstructions, reconstruction by schematic. And we have a pretty good idea what the temple was before it was destroyed. Now, the Western Wall, some of it is still standing, and um, that is what is called the Wailing Wall. Uh, the Jews still go there and pray at that wall. It's one of the great Christian and Polish attractions when you go to Jerusalem. So, what they were asking him about was a very sensitive situation, very very delicate and angels on the verge of any time you could have a riot and or more going out. The riot that eventually proved disastrous, as I said before. Really a hot, red hot potato. And this morning, as I was sharing, I told the congregation that part of the um, the temple was actually a Roman garrison uh, temple compound. Romans kept soldiers there all the time because they were always afraid that they might be some uprising, particularly on religious days, and by zealot and religious groups, and so they had to put it down. These these riots uh, from time to time just build a uh, a garrison right there, uh, known to us as the Antonia. Antonia. Now, such an innocent question, it was, it seems like, and this was definitely intended to seem innocent, 
And you know, with, with positive answer, answer. The regular question that comes with all the time, but it's not, it's not very, not necessarily tricky on the surface, but it was indeed really tricky. What if Jesus had said no? You don't have to pay taxes. What? They would have denounced him to the Roman government. That's explicitly see that in all the gospel, like in Luke 2020. Oh, here's another Galilean inciting the Judeans to rebel. Just like another person whose name was Jesus, incidentally, did a few decades before. Judas was in really the Hebrew name that we get Jesus for. And indeed, it was this rebellious leader who was called Judas, who definitely had had a rebellion. So we say, hey, Julian, not Judas. So, that's if he said no. But what if he had said yes? Hey, the crowd would have loved that. Hmm. But it not really, would it? That they should pay taxes? Huh? They would turn the crowd against Jesus. So I guess answer the Romans would be against Jesus. Probably a lot of trouble. Even Moses death. And if we gave said yes, oh yes, that would that would not make him very popular with the people, and particularly with the people who were following him. So what Jesus did is gave an answer that did not make him fall into either of those parts. And it's not that Jesus was just simply being evasive or even given a clever answer. It was more than that. And in several ways, it undercut and undermined the question that was brought to him in the first place. So the, Jesus dealt with this trick, let's say. In a way that was remarkable. And of course, once again, left those who were questioning him with their mouths wide open. This morning I also shared 
about the temple of Shekel. So in a sentence, this trick question had to do with the temple and the temple of Shekel. You see, one of the reasons that people could not give Romans money directly to the temple is because of the depiction of the Roman emperor on the coin itself. In fact, some of the coins actually said that Caesar, the Roman ruler, was a son of God. E.V. Phileos, son of God, Phileos, son of E.V., God, divinity. So, Roman coins were not allowed, and they, 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 um, the Roman government didn't care to be offered in the temple. The Roman government didn't care as long as you pay your taxes. We don't care what you're doing in your temple. So they had to exchange it. This is the money changes they spoke about also this morning. And that areas, the treasure where you took the Roman coin before you went into the sanctuary itself on the place where you would give your offering or buy your, 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 your sacrifices. And, and stuff like that. Have your money exchanged for the Roman coins exchanged for the temple money, temple shekel. Now, the religious folks, the temple folks, they didn't want to really have anything directly to do with it. That's just exchanging one as a go. Because to do that means that they would be involved with the Roman coin that talked about Caesar being the son of God. So their farmer hired conscription and uh, people to do this, business people. There were always a significant group of people that were non-religious. They followed Jewish custom, but they, they, they weren't really just like the guy we are today in all, in all religious groups. Lots of people calling their Christian, but don't necessarily follow Christian principles or choose and pick the one they want. There were people who were willing to make missions off of doing this. That was the uh, money exchangers, the people who Jesus who they paid over because they also robbed the people in the exchange, particularly those who were pilgrims and not familiar with the value of coins and so forth. Uh, and money exchange uh, in Jerusalem. 
And so I try to make this point in this morning that there's a there's a money business, a money banking going on that is not really tied to the temple. It's in the temple area. It's in the temple compound, but it's being run by business people who were not necessary as a matter who were not religious at all. They were making money because they made the commission. And they could steal also for the commission as long as they weren't stealing the Roman taxes. Silver and gold are by none. I have, we don't have, that's what the disciples said, the layman was begging at the gate beautiful and I share this morning. Uh, and many people are familiar with that story. It's very, very well known. People have gone entered into the temple and they were asked for money by the person that was begging there. And that was a setup in itself where people were allowed a privileged position to beg because there was money making in that field. And they would more mainly receive Roman coins. They weren't receiving temple shekels. So before they leave, so to speak, they don't have to go to the money changers too. The money's there, the money changers. Gotta buy all of it. You see, it was all, it was all business. Interesting thing about these religious folks. They had a way of barring off, of separating the things that they called non-religious, and, and, and let others handle it. Uh, and uh, once it come over this side, oh, it would be now a religious aspect, religious point. Uh, that Jesus realized in itself was quite hypocritical. Now, I'm not trying to to, to, to uh, disparage any religious belief or practices because we all have it. We all religious have some very uh, peculiar things that we do. Uh, and so, but you know, we could criticize ourselves if we are honest. But when, when, my, when my brother lived in a particular uh, Apartment building in in, in, um, in Manhattan, he would tell us a story about his good friend who was religious practicing Jew, who on the Sabbath would ask you to press the button, press the button on the elevator, so that they could go up. You know, pressing the button, you're making the machine work to to lift the elevator or bring the elevator down, and that would be work, and you'd be working in the sandwich. That's the other thing that just irritated Jesus, if I could use that word to, to a great extent. How the law, and you may or may not agree with this, definitely a whole lot of people who follow Judaism wouldn't, and they certainly didn't, um, Jesus was not endeared to them by this, but 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 this I don't want to call it overall interpretation of the law, and that's something that we could 
spirit, but, but certainly it comes to a point of, I don't want to call it ridiculousness, but when you really come back, when you really think about it, is it really what God wants? And that's why we're studying Paul on, on Thursday night, because where is mercy? Where is grace? I mean, do you have an animal that falls into a ditch on the Sabbath? Let the animal die. God forbid a human. You know, we get it because we work to take that person out of it. So you see where I'm going. Huh. So, Jesus' answer became quite interesting. So he said, no. Give me a, a Roman coin. And the interesting thing is that Jesus didn't take out a Roman coin because he, didn't, he probably didn't carry any coin at all, any money at all. But one of those religious people were able to give him this Roman coin that talked about Caesar being the son of God. Or have a depiction of a man, even if it didn't say that. And one of the things that they hated about the Roman authority over them was these coins had a depiction of a person on it. And if you go back to Exodus, you see it was strictly forbidden. Look at Exodus. Uh, 20 and 4. It was strictly, strictly forbidden to make images of people, particularly if it results in some type of adoration or worship or anything like that. That's up to the day. Go to the head of the stone and their coins and, and everything. They do their flag. You know, you have the Star of David. That's it. You don't have the picture or the picture rather of a person. So where was Jesus twisted them up? So if I can file for it, hey, you have that Roman coin? Yeah. Are you supposed to have Roman coins ever? Or are you supposed to walk around with temple shekels? If you have the Roman coin, give it back. But you're not going to give it back. Huh? It, it, at least you go to the temple and have it exchanged for temple shekel, which you can't spend anywhere on the street. So on the street, you have to spend Roman coins with the depiction of a person, with the inscription about the divinity of Caesar. And you have to be, should we pay taxes? You pay taxes all, all in all different ways. You just try to avoid it, I mean, make it, sanitize it when it comes 
Çözeltemiyor. Çözeltemiyor. Presupposition behind that question, right? The incompatibility between loyalty to the government and loyalty to God. And that is what came up in the war where they had about this tattoo before. So how are you really? Do you have a need to say? Is it the goal of man-made stuff? And no matter how many coins the Romans could make, and no matter what type of inscription they might make on it, and no matter how they may want to equate Caesar, The Son of God is all human, is all people. Caesar, the Roman Empire, they are not called. And I could stop there today. I think there's quite a bit more to it, but I, that's. That's what I wanted to bring out today, basically. That's what I really wanted to share. And 